You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Diving stop, Seager. Toss on off the first. In time to get seven. Three-run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist, Fernando Abad. And the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye, baseball. Straight away, center field. Cano and Cruz go back to back. And the king, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven. Scoreless innings. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Hey, welcome back, Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Thanks for being here again. We get to talk about some walk off. That's fun. We'll go through the highlights here in a moment as the Mariners beat the White Sox last night. The series continues. We'll talk about that coming up this weekend. Highlights coming your way, reaction as well. Also coming up, Shannon Dreher, a couple of nice pieces. One on Edwin Diaz, no longer the closer for the time being, and get some thoughts on the skipper, also Mel Stoudemire Jr. on Edwin Diaz. I have some thoughts, too, and we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. Also, a couple of updates on hopefully some players coming back in the very near future. The Mariners could really use some more healthy bodies. I mean, 10th starting pitcher already used for the Mariners last night. That's the most in the big leagues. That's probably not a big surprise. But think about this. Last year, the Mariners used five starters all the way until June 1st when James Paxton, remember, he didn't start in the rotation last year. So he comes up and he makes a start June 1st. He was the sixth starter used last year. And already, I mean, middle of May, 10th starter used this season for the Mariners. But. Man, what a start. Two nights in a row. They have gotten some excellent work from their starters. Bergman, of course, pitching into the eighth the night before. He was outstanding, hanging zeros on the board. And this was best-case scenario last night for the Mariners starter. The former Oregon State Beaver, he was outstanding. The stretch and the one-two to Sanchez. And a swing and a miss and a pitch in the dirt. Knocking it down Ruiz. The throw to first. And it's in time to get Sanchez. A strikeout for Sam Gavilio. His second of the night. Second time he has fanned Sanchez. And he gets out of a jam. Gavilio outstanding. Five innings. Three hits. No runs. One walk. Two strikeouts. He did it on 75 pitches in his first major league start. You could not ask for much more than that. And when he left the ball game, he had a nice lead. The Mariners pushed one across in the third inning as Dyson, oh, he had a big game. Gerard Dyson leads off the bottom of the third. Here's the pitch from Covey. He swings and swats this into right field. This might have the distance. It does. It's gone. First pitch leadoff home run, Gerard Dyson. What a way to begin the bottom of the third. And the Mariners quickly have a one to nothing lead. That would just be a sign of things to come for Dyson, who played a huge factor in this one. Mariners played some long ball in the fifth inning as well. Secure just continues to rock the ball. The 1 0 pitch, swing and a well hit ball. Deep to left field. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. Over the hand, operated scoreboard. 
Gene Segura with a two-out, three-run home run. His fourth home run of the season, and that extends his hitting streak to 17 games with an exclamation point. It's now the Mariners four and the White Sox nothing. Wow, what a shot. He just keeps extending that career-high hitting streak. One for three in the game. The big blast drives in three, walks twice. He's now hitting 359 on the season, an on-base percentage of 404, having a marvelous season at the top of the order for the Mariners. And the M's had a 4 nothing lead, but the White Sox would come back against the Mariners' bullpen, two in the seventh, and then two in the eighth with back-to-back homers. 3-2 pitch, swing and a fly ball into right field and deep. Gamble going back to the warning track near the wall. Gone, goodbye baseball. Tim Anderson with an opposite field home run to right has tied the game at 4-4. Back-to-back home runs by Frazier and Anderson, both coming with two outs. And we now have a tie game at 4-4 here in the top of the eighth inning. And that's how things would stay, tied to the bottom of the ninth. Mater would lead off the inning with a single. Dyson tried to bunt. Well, he did bunt, but he bunted into a fielder's choice. So he's at first base, and what sets up the heroics, a key, really the key play of the ball game. Ruiz grounded out to third. The throw went to second. Dyson, who was going on the play, just steaming to second base and just beat the throw. So he hustles into second. Beats the throw. So he's on second base. Heredia comes up to pinch hit, and that set the table for the heroics. The pitch of the way. Swing and a line drive. Base in into right center field. Dyson running third, heading home. Up with the ball is Garcia. Throw to the plate. Not in time. Dyson scores. Walk off. RBI single by Guillermo Heredia. And the Mariners win it 5-4 here in the bottom of the ninth inning. Heredia being mobbed by his teammates. He just can't say enough about Dyson. Two for four in the game. Scores three times. Had the home run. Swiped two bases. And uh, drew a lot of throws to first base. Was a major distraction for White Sox pitching all night. And he was a huge, huge factor in the win last night for the Mariners. As they walk it off and they win 5-4 to four over the White Sox, they continue to play great ball at home. Now 20-22 and 22 overall, 13-6 and six at home as they try and get back to that 500 mark. And this was a nice win. Gavilio gets a no decision, but he helped pitch the Mariners to victory. Five scoreless innings as the M's take game one of this three-game series. Here's what the skipper said after the ball game. Yeah, starting with, obviously, our starting pitching. Uh, you know, Gavilio gave us a great effort tonight. And, uh, yeah, excited about what I saw. I think he had, you know, good sinker and, and got the breaking ball going. It was really important. And I thought, you know, after five innings, gave us about all he had. And the ball was starting to get up. So, you know, like I said, we're trying to, you know, go to our middle guys uh, and ride them out a little bit. I thought Casey Lawrence, first time we'd ever seen him here. Uh, he hung in there, uh, you know, gave up the, the one homer. But then, uh, you know, uh, Altavila struggled a little bit, obviously, with the home runs. But, I, you know, nice nice comeback by our guys. You know, he hung in there, got something going late, and a huge hit by Heredia. Can't say enough there. And obviously, Dyson had a, had a nice night, too. So, Segura with the big bomb. So, a little bit of everything. I think, uh, 
you know, that's kind of what we need right now. Everybody has to chip in one way or another. It's a bullpen guy, it's a starter, it's a big hit, it's, you know, one of our key guys, Segura, gets the big three-run homer. It's everybody contributing. Dyson getting down second there to keep that, keep that Huge. Line. Yeah, and was really close, too. Um, you know, their guy, Jennings, really quick to home plate. You know, he, he's 1-1 or less. It's hard to steal off of. Um, Dice is trying to time and really didn't have a chance to steal the base. But on 3-2, you got to go try to stay out of double play. And anybody else is probably doubled up. So there's a lot, you know, Dice's speed. Ready to that's, uh, that's, that's been a pretty big weapon for you. Yeah, you know, it's it's a, it's a tough spot to put a young player in. But he's got a good swing. You know, he's not trying to hit homers or anything. Just have a good at bat. And, and he did, you know, stayed inside a, a slider coming in on him. And, uh, you know, didn't know if they would, you know, make a move there. But, uh no, I like the numbers. I like the matchup number we had there, and um, you know, we got a little little break tonight, and, and a good at bat put together by Reddy. To have those two starters the last two nights come in and give you 13 scoreless innings like that, just how, how big of a boost is that? Oh, it's been great. Good for them. I mean, it's I think the Mel's done a good job game planning, not trying to get too complicated and too detailed, but trusting their stuff, and you know, uh, both guys. You know, Bergy last night and tonight, a lot of good movement on the fastball. It's not going to overpower you. But the movement, the location, mixing in his pitches, and about the game planning, and those guys taking their stuff and running it with it has been key. Not trying to do too much. Does that game go to the tenth? Do you go to Eddie? Yeah, Eddie Diaz going to pitch. Yeah, yeah. We were, um, you know, again bullpen wise tonight. You know, Cishik was down, Zick was down. Uh, you know, you're looking at Eddie and, and Overton there. Um, you know, and I know it's high leverage, and that's sometimes what happens. You can't put the the perfect uh, scenario out there uh, for him. Uh, but, you know, he was going to go out there and pitch and hopefully give us one or two innings. Segura just seems to have given you a little bit of everything here. Yeah, he's, a, he's an interesting player. Every night you kind of learn a little bit more about him. I thought the play he made, the backhanded play in the hole and almost throughout Garcia was as good a play as I've seen all year uh, with a guy who can really run down the line. And then obviously the, the big home run uh, got a ball up in the zone and didn't miss it. It's, it's hits, it's home runs, it's stolen bases, it's defense, it's – Kind of all over the field. Uh, it's something a little bit different every night. Scott, I'm, I'm sorry. You may have said this, but when Dice gets on the base pass, he really created a lot of havoc. Just walks to other batters and things like that. He just really seems to distract the pitchers. Oh, no doubt. He gets their attention, and he should. You know, he's one of the best base dealers in the league. Um, you know, they were certainly aware of him. Jennings was. You know, in the at bat to Ruiz, and you know, like I said, really, really tough to steal off Jennings, but. Dice is not afraid on the bases. That's his. He is the most comfortable he can be at any point in his day when he's on first base because everybody else is uncomfortable, and he really uh, prides himself in that. Well, no question about that. So that was a nice win in game one of the series. It continues tonight, 7-10 first pitch, 7-10 on Saturday, 1-10 on Sunday. Lefty matchup tonight. This is an interesting one. Ariel Miranda will get the ball against Jose Quintana. This will be the toughest pitcher the Mariners will face in this series. He's a good one, although he struggled to start the season. His ERA was around seven after three starts to the season, but he has settled in. He's had some really nice outings. The May 2nd against Kansas City went eight scoreless, but then in Baltimore gave up four and five innings. Last time out against the Padres, Allowed three earned in seven innings. Has actually only pitched uh, seven or more in two starts this season, but they're two of his last three. So 
Mariners will have their hands full against one of the better lefties in the game, Jose Quintana. So a lefty matchup. They'll need a good start for Miranda to try and hang in there and try and steal one late against a very good pitcher. Then uh, on Saturday, Gallardo will go against Mike Pelfrey, who's 0-4 this year with a 5-7-0. Sunday still be determined against Derek Holland, the lefty, 3-3 with a 2-4-3. Mariners very familiar with Derek Holland. All right, we've gone over the game last night. We're, you're all set for this weekend. Now we're going to hand it over to Shannon Dreyer. She's going to talk about Edwin Diaz and his situation. I think it's it's worth talking about just the closer situation in all of baseball because I know when you're following one team closely, you can really get honed into one closer situation. But I think it's worth talking about the context of closers in Major League Baseball right now. I went through team by team and took a look at who started the season as the closer and where our team's at right now. And it's pretty interesting to look at because here we are, middle of May. I mean, it's been a month and a half of baseball, really not that long of a time. But if you go team by team, there are now 16 closers in the big leagues that started the year as the closer and without any interruption is still the closer for that team. So already half the closers in baseball who started the season as a closer, either because of injury or ineffectiveness, are already is out of the role. I mean, that's a lot of guys. So when you think about Edwin Diaz and you think about his struggles, just put it in context, boy, he is not alone at all. In fact, this is more common than not when it comes to closers. Think about last year. Look at the top five closers just in terms of saves from a year ago. Familia, 51 saves with the Mets. He's now out for the year. Britton had 47 with Baltimore. He's been on the DL for a few weeks. Jansen with the Dodgers, 47 saves last year. He's still, he's still pitching. He's been healthy. He's held down the closers role. He's been effective. Melanson last year, 47 saves. He's been on the DL. Francisco Rodriguez, 44 with the Tigers. He's lost his job. Other guys in the top 11, Dyson from the Rangers. I mean, we've seen firsthand how that has gone. He had 38 saves last year. I mean, he barely had the job for a couple weeks this season for the Rangers. Gomez for the Phillies, 37 saves last year. He has lost the job. Chapman. In the top 11 last year, 36 saves. He's on the DL. Osuna, 36 saves last year. He started the year on the DL and struggled and nearly lost the job as well. But it just gives you an idea, in, just in terms of the context, of what the closer position is like team by team and how much it fluctuates. With Edwin Diaz, I mean, the good news is you'll hear – the pitching coach and the skipper talk about it. I mean, it's a mechanical thing, which is the best best place to be in terms of just problems to solve. I mean, that's where you want to be. So he's got the stuff, no doubt about it. He, we've seen him thrive in the role last year. He was lights out, and I don't think it would be a shock to anyone to see him back in that role and thriving once again. But, boy, it's interesting to look at the closer role throughout baseball and I mean if already half have lost the job for one reason or another by the middle of May I mean end of the season what are we going to talk about just a handful of guys that go wire to wire think about that one for a second 
So with that as the backdrop, here's Shannon Dreyer. He's had struggles before, but Scott's service could see this was different. We saw last night, is certainly it's a 23-year-old that you know, didn't, didn't have a good feel for what was going on out there. And, and more importantly, didn't know how to fix it. I know Mel's got some things that he wants to address with him mechanically, but just to give him those cues that when things start going bad, you know, where do I go? And, and I don't, we saw it last night, he doesn't know where to go. And that's up to us as coaches to make sure he's got a place to go. I think you saw that a little bit with what Paxton's done and how he's evolved. He kind of knows where to go to get himself right. And I've said it often before, when you can coach yourself, that's when you become a real major league player. You know, and that's part of our job is to give those guys the help that they can kind of figure it out on their own and then let them make the adjustment. Edwin, we've got to get Edwin right. The Mariners are committed to Diaz and understand that in him they have a young pitcher who is still developing not only as a closer but as a pitcher. The changes will be made at the big league level, and to take some of the pressure off, he will get his work in lower leverage situations rather than the ninth inning. Diaz got the news today. You know, I'm, I think I, you know, I know I'm, I don't, my, I don't pitch him really well already, you know, but, you know, just one, the team win, you know. He talked to me, you know, and I, I agree with him, you know. I need to fix my things, and then I will back for the closing job. So Diaz goes to work with pitching coach Mel Stottlemyre Jr. I'm going to cut down on his throwing program, and I'm going to take him up on, on the mound, you know, where guys make their, their living uh, down there for 10 or 15 pitches every day until he can get a handle on his body. And if, if you look at how he works, it, you, you know, we can all see the same thing. His hips get out. It, it, it pulls his body and his weight down the slope, and when he gets down a foot strike, his arm's behind you know, it's not up in a position where it's supposed to be, which means it's going to come late. So uh, I don't want to take the athleticism out of them. And, you know, we still want to create that good tempo. But uh, to simplify it, you know, we're allowing his his lift leg, his knee lift to get over the rubber before his hips go down the hill. And right now it's, his hips have been ahead of his, his arm. In the video room, looking at his outing, Diaz immediately saw the problem. We just saw uh, stay back on the rubber. I, he stayed back and he pulled everything together. You know, I was pulling my lower back before my upper, upper, upper body. You now we start looking that and we go out to fix it up today. And now the work. What Diaz is going through is not any different than what many young pitchers have gone through. As he learns his delivery, he'll have touch points to go to quickly when things are off. Stottlemyre is working to give him the tools to make the adjustments on the fly. He knows and he can see what he was going through. He didn't know how to stop it. And so that, you know, that's this the entire process uh, of what we're doing and why we're doing it. So that if he starts to feel himself get quick, which all pitchers do, you know, it happened to, to Paxton, Gallardo. When they get themselves in trouble, their body gets quick. You know, the ball comes up and they don't execute their pitches. So uh, we're starting that process with him now. And now Shannon is back this time with some news on the injury front. Shannon Dreyer here at Safeco Field, where earlier today I caught up with two guys who have taken significant steps the last two days in their return from injury. One is close, the other still has a long way to go. Both encouraged by what they've been able to do on the field this week. We start with Mitch Hanniger, who took batting practice today and yesterday and looks close to being ready to be sent on a rehab assignment. Good. I was uh, really excited to get it back on the field and kind of like a little mental hurdle that you get over when you're coming back from injury, you know, kind of testing out the first day. I know in the past I had a, a tore ligament in my knee um, right after I signed my first year of 2012. And then I remember like the first day trying to sprint, it's just like that mental hurdle where you're testing it out and you're like, okay, you kind of like a sigh of relief, it doesn't, you don't feel anything. And so that's what it was like the other day, just 
trying out in the cage felt good. Getting out on the field felt good. So, you know, progressed a step further and, you know, now start swinging a little harder and doing everything a little with a little more intensity. And when you say swinging a little bit harder, where were you yesterday and where do you need to get before you go out? Um, yesterday, probably right where I need to be. I, I feel like my... My BP swings aren't usually ever 100%. I mean, I try never to swing as hard as I can, even in game. So um, I felt like I was right where I need to be. And then, you know, progressing further, just maybe just test it out a little bit more each day. But I, I think I'm, I'm good right now. I like where I'm at. Is there anything you take from, you know, the rehab that you've been doing that you take forward? Will you have to do anything differently? Um, yeah, that's kind of something that I've been trying to figure out, especially, you know, whenever I – I've gotten hurt in the past to try to find out the root of the, the problem, why it happened. And and with this injury, it was kind of tough. I don't know whether it was overuse as far as just, you know, just carrying a load and, and not body breaking down for whatever reason, you know. But um, kind of looking back on why it might have happened, I was replaying kind of events in, when we were in um, Oakland, and I made a throw from the outfield. And I remember the next day I was really sore on my right side. And... That's the only thing that I can remember that might have kind of jarred it, and then it just got slowly worse from there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just moving forward, just really staying, trying to stay loose during innings and, you know, in between innings, getting doing a good job of warming up before I go out. And um, everything is, is going to be the same as far as the weight room goes and the, the rehab exercises. I'm going to keep doing everything. So, yeah, should be good. Lastly, we see on the TV when you guys are home and the team is home, you're right there when things happen. It seems like if somebody hits a home run, you're right in the back. You're celebrating along with Oh, yeah. I mean, I've said this before. Like, I, when, I, like when, I, when I get a home run, I usually don't get extremely fired up. But when I, when I get more fired up when my teammates do it just because I want to celebrate with them, you know, and I'm happy to celebrate with them. And, you know, anytime you put a run up on the board, it's, it's always a good feeling. What's it been like watching these guys? It's been fun. I mean, been playing really well at home all year. And, I mean, I love playing in Seattle. I know the rest of the guys do too, so it's been good, and hopefully we, we take this series from um, Chicago. The injured players typically do not travel with the team, but they do sit in the dugout during home games after getting their work in earlier in the day. Drew Smiley is thrilled to have his work this week progress from the training room to the field, where he threw for the first time yesterday. just felt good, you know. It's, um, it's exciting for next step, I guess, of the process. Just to... Uh, have a ball and glove in your hand for the first time in six weeks. It's just exciting, so hopefully you just uh, continue to move forward and one day at a time and just keep building it up and see where I'm at in the next couple weeks. And the next day is always pretty big. Everything feel good today? Yeah, yeah. No pain yesterday. I feel great today. So this first week we're going to go every other day, so I'm not throwing today. But, you know, next week, probably two days on, one day off, and just keep continuing to kind of build up that endurance. But everything felt good, so it's exciting. It's been like being back here and seeing one starter after another all of a sudden show up. It's been pretty crazy. I don't think anybody's seen anything like this. We're hanging in there tight. The guys are stepping up that need to step up. Um, to have four out of our five starters go down, and then even the guys coming up, some of them are coming down, and it's been crazy, but, you know, guys will keep stepping up and we're winning so we just got to keep trying to stay afloat till Pax gets back soon and Felix will be back soon and then hopefully I get right after them me and Kuma so just trying to win every game take it day by day and you're down there in the dugout when the home games are here we see you on the mm-hmm. TV you're, mm-hmm. you're doing your part down yeah, there yeah 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 and I'll be traveling next road trip too now oh, that nice. I'm playing okay. catch again so it'll be good to be back with the team full time how do you keep yourself sane through this I know it's hard to yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not much you do I mean just watch games go to bed and 
try to get healthy every day. And that's a full-time job when you're on the DL. With any luck, we should see a couple of Mariners come off the DL in the next couple of weeks. The Three Little Pigs Once upon a time, there were three little pigs who left their mom and dad and set out on their own. All summer long, they roamed through the woods and over the plains, playing games and having fun. They even made it to Seattle to watch their favorite team, the Mariners, play at Safeco Field. None were happier than the three little pigs, and they easily made friends with everyone. Wherever they went, they were given a warm welcome. But as summer drew to a close, they realized that people were drifting back to their usual jobs and preparing for winter. Autumn came, and it began to rain. The three little pigs started to feel they needed a real home. Sadly, they knew that the fun was over and now that they must set to work like the others or they'd be left out in the cold and rain with no roof over their heads. They talked about what to do, but each decided for himself. The laziest little pig said he'd build a straw hut. It'll only take a day and then I can play again, he said. The other little pigs disagreed. It's too fragile, they said disapprovingly, but he refused to listen. Not quite so lazy, the second little pig went in search of wood in the forest to build his house. Clunk, clunk, clunk. It took him only two days to nail all the pieces of wood together. And afterward, he joined the laziest little pig in a game of catch. But the third little pig did not like the wooden house either. That's not the way to build a house, he said. It takes time, patience, and hard work to build a house that is strong enough to stand up to the wind, rain, and snow, and most of all, protect us from the wolf. The days went by, and the wisest little pig's house took shape brick by brick. From time to time, his brothers would stop playing long enough to visit him, saying with a chuckle, Why are you working so hard? Won't you come out and play ball with us? But the hard-working pig kept right on laying bricks. I shall finish my house first. It must be solid and sturdy, and then I'll come out and play, he said. When he finally did finish his brick home, he kept his word, and joined his brothers outside for a game of baseball. The laziest little pig threw a slow change up to the second little pig. The ball was swung on and belted deep into the forest. The wisest little pig ran as fast as he could after it, only to run smack into the wolf, holding the ball in his mitt. Looking for this, he snickered. The little pigs rushed to the safety of their homes in alarm. The wolf gave chase, catching up to the laziest little pig in his straw hut first. Come out! Come out! ordered the wolf, his mouth watering. Or I'll huff, and I'll puff, and I'll blow your house down. Go away! squealed the lazy little pig in a tiny voice. Then I'll make you come out, growled the wolf angrily. And puffing out his chest, he took a deep breath. <gasps> then he huffed, and he puffed, and he blew <sighs> right into the straw house. <laughs> <laughs>
and all the straw the lazy little pig had heaped against some thin poles fell down in the wolf's breathy blast. Excited by his own cleverness, the wolf let out a great laugh. <laughs> but he did not notice that the little pig had slithered out from underneath the heap of straw and was dashing toward his brother's wooden house. When he realized that the little pig was escaping, the wolf grew wild with rage. Come back, come back, he roared, trying to catch the pig as he ran into the wooden house. The other little pig greeted his brother, shaking like a leaf. I hope this house won't fall down. Let's lean against the door so he can't blow it in. Outside, the wolf could hear the little pig's words. Starving as he was at the idea of a two-course meal, he pounded on the wooden door. Open up! Open up! Or I'll huff! And I'll huff! And I'll blow your house in! Inside, the two brothers wept in fear and did their best to hold the door closed. Then the furious wolf braced himself for a new effort. He took in an enormous breath and huffed and puffed and with a the door and the wooden house fell into a heap of firewood. Luckily, the wisest little pig had been watching this scene from the window of his own brick house and he rapidly opened the door to his fleeing brothers. And not a moment too soon, for the wolf was already hammering furiously on the door. Give it up, pigs! Give it up, pigs! He yelled. You know how it works. I'll huff and puff and blow this house down too. The wisest little pig responded, Save your breath. You'll never blow this house down. This just made the wolf even madder. He took a deep breath in and huffed and puffed and blew at the brick house. But the house stood solid. He backed up and eyed the sturdy home. Once again, he took a deep breath and huffed and puffed and then huffed and puffed once more for good measure and blew as hard as he could towards the brick house. And the house did not budge an inch. The three little pigs watched him and their fear began to fade. Quite exhausted by his efforts and a little light-headed to boot, the wolf decided to try one of his tricks. He scrambled up a nearby ladder onto the roof to have a look in the chimney. However, the wisest little pig knew exactly what the wolf was up to. As soon as the wolf peeked his big black nose down the dark hole of the chimney, the wisest pig lit his fireplace. A large, dark cloud of smoke billowed up the fireplace to the top of the chimney and caught the wolf by surprise. <coughs> the wolf quickly scurried off the roof, raced down the ladder, and left the three little pigs' neighborhood faster than an Edgar Martinez home run ball leaves safe cold field. My, oh my! The three little pigs danced and sang for joy. 
from that day on, the wisest little pig's brothers set to work with a new purpose. With some good planning and hard work, they built two new brick houses. The wolf did return once to Rome in the neighborhood, but when he caught sight of three chimneys, he turned around and left for good. Now, safe and happy, the three little pigs gathered steel and brick to begin building their dream house, a perfect replica of Safeco Field, complete with a fireplace and chimney, just in case. The end.